0: district three podcast guys we are back thank you for listening to the tunes my name is manny and my name is Irvin. this is episode
1: 42 of the district three podcast are you sure that's a third the third week in a row that i've gotten the episode number correct <laughs>
0: okay all right so
1: that's that's a win you get
0: brownie points that yes
1: counts. yes that and it's uh a lot of good stuff is happening i mean things aren't improve the way that we want them to in regards to like the pandemic and everything going on right now right but we heard that uh beauty salons and barbershops are going to be open again right manny
0: yeah i mean that's that's some good news like we'll 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 probably post a picture after this like we always do but uh we should should do like a before and after (laughs) yeah yeah i will do a before and after because this is the longest my hair has been probably in like years but your hair
1: doesn't look that big man your hair looks like still all right and you know what i'm I'm
0: almost like i'm kind of feeling it you (laughs) You know (laughs) like i'm like i I can run my fingers through my hair i don't have the fade so i feel like (laughs) kind of counterculture you know like i feel like a a fade is kind of an emblem of it but like right now i do it feels like it's also like a a solidarity thing like i'm kind of protesting going back like, I'm I'm pro-lockdown, yeah, you yeah. know, because... <laughs> why, why, why
1: are you pro-lockdown? Are you, like, an introvert? Huh? No,
0: because I want people to be safe. Oh, I want okay. people That's not to go... That's a good reason. Go. Yeah, yeah. That's a good reason. You know what was a, a funny thing that I heard is that, like, uh, barbers were kind of snitching on each other about, mm. like, who was going to uh, each other's houses to cut hair. Are you serious? Yeah, and, like, I'm, I'm, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I'm like, you know, if it's one-on-one and you know the person's safe, like, I think that's kind of okay. I don't know. I
1: had people but... snitching on other people like in my inbox of like people that were having parties. Yeah, like people yeah. would send me messages and be like, "Look, oh, this gosh. lady over here is having this party. <laughs> yeah. There's 30 people there. Like someone should shut it down." And I'm like, "What am I going to do? Like I'm not going to be like, yo, oh, like, they put her on blast." You? No. And someone, and this is kind of messed up. This is kind of yeah, messed yeah. up, okay? I say this very very uh, lightly, but heavy at the same time. Someone even sent me a screenshot of a funeral that happened in the area, Oh where there was fifty people, and they were like, "Look, they shouldn't be." I'm like, "What can you say? You can't really say much about a funeral, you know. As right. much as like dangerous as it is, because there's not social distancing happening there. Like someone passed away.
0: Yeah, you yeah. know, like
1: I think like they deserve hey, a no pass. Respects.
0: But I, I, hope. I, I heard a, I heard a podcast about somebody talking about an online funeral, where, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, a, a- live stream it. Yeah, there was a man, he used he used to be a pastor of a church and used to do all these funerals, but he was retired, but his wife passed away during all of this. And it wasn't Ooh. COVID related, but she did pass away and he was practicing social distancing, so he did a Zoom meeting for her funeral man. where people could come and join his meeting. He he said words, his family said words, and people could like, you know, pay their respects yeah. at the same time. So it was all kind of just like because a funeral is obviously people want to get together and they want to like share the love that they had for a person that passed away um so he wanted to put something together and you know he had people who probably wouldn't have been there for a, a physical funeral people from yeah. all over the world from like hawaii and like germany who were jumping in on the zoo meeting and it was a bunch of old people so it was like people <laughs> were like oh i think i'm muted but it, <laughs> so like here in the podcast I, I thought it was really sweet but you know maybe that's something that people do because you know from now on yeah. when people talk about this new normal yeah how we're going to resume life obviously this is going to change a lot of stuff maybe we have other things. Obviously, we're not going to be able to do online haircuts, I told, unfortunately.
1: I told Mario the other day that if something were to happen and I were to pass away, you know, to not stream it online. To not stream <laughs> my funeral online. I definitely don't want that. I get that we have those hug emojis now on Facebook. Yeah. And, like, you know, <laughs> we, have, we have more ways of showing affection. But I definitely yeah. do not want it to be live streamed. It's like if I pass away don't do a funeral with a bunch of people because i don't want to put them in danger but maybe in a few months once this pandemic's over throw a party for me or something you know i can just celebrate my life that way oh, well, and it might be kind out. of creepy to me think to me for me to think this way yeah but i mean things can happen it's responsible it's you know responsible. you don't know but yeah. i definitely think that it's a good well i want to say a good thing but uh for me it's a good thing because i need a haircut bad yeah you know <laughs> yeah. like i just need to like get in that get in that beauty salon slash barbershop get that haircut dip out I have already booked the first appointment with the lady that cuts my hair. So, like, I'm yeah. going to go in the first person and hopefully she's last sold the place up yeah. and uh, get out, you know, and be fresh for a
0: little bit and then eventually get on. What's haircut. that day? When, when is that? I think it's May 6th, right? May 6th. So I'm looking at the the announcement from the governor. It says, today I announced that barber, cosmetology, ma- massage therapy, body art, which I guess is like tattoos and piercings yeah. and medical spa services may resume operations on May 6th and the guidelines say 10 or fewer people in the facility, um, larger facilities, no more than 30 percent of stations in operation, no walk-ins. So you got to do an appointment, people. You want to want your appointment? Your you wanna, yeah, I got mine, 10 a.m. maybe. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> clients should wait outside or in cars, uh, six foot distance still because COVID is still a thing. Like just yeah. because they're opening stuff back up doesn't mean it's all over. Client names, um, face coverings, gloves, hands must be washed. Screening of staff. Uh, Postpone services if symptoms. So there's guidelines, but it looks like you know there's limited stuff opening on Wednesday, May sixth. And restaurants. Do you do you know what date those are open? May eleventh. Okay. May eleventh. Well, you would know this. You have I to know do. So I right? know this just because I have to for my for my job. But yeah, May eleventh. They 11th. have a lot
1: of more like precautions that they have to take right restaurants like they, As have to wear, they should i mean true but like it's it's kind of it's a it's overwhelming you know but yeah it's for the right reasons yeah you know there's like there can only be like 10 no more than 10 people on a table right
0: um, and you have to you're limited to 33 percent capacity yeah of what you would have had and, and um, to me it almost feels like i don't know it's it's tough you know you got to think about how am i going to pay my waiter wait staff and yeah. how or should I just keep just doing to go? Yeah. But a lot of the restaurants have just been closed down. So you're going to start seeing mostly the chains. Open I definitely back up. won't
1: be going to eat at a restaurant for a while.
0: I'm not. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. There's no point. I, that's why I kind of like this. You know, I was cool with the to go stuff. Like, I'll just go and.
1: And that's kind of what I always have a like. Picnic. Once in a while, because Myra likes to go eat in places, yeah. like, yeah, I'll, I'll go, right? But I'm usually the guy that's like, can we just pick something up and just go home?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Or at the park or something, you know? So this kind of works to my advantage. Right. Yeah, you're, and now you can just be like, no, Myra, I
0: don't want you to get I don't sick,
1: want you to get sick. Like... <laughs> I hope because she doesn't hear this because she's gonna get mad. Day. But <laughs> <laughs> no, but really though, I I do like that. But I also, I mean, once in a while, you do like go into some nice places, you know, getting a right. steam special with a large margarita. You know, that's
0: <laughs> I can't relate to that. Or <laughs> what you mean?
1: My last time we went to a restaurant together, you got this big old pitcher of margarita. I still remember it was that. I'll at, get the margarita. It was at Jose's.
0: Yeah, no, I'll definitely get a. I'm I'm excited for a margarita when once everything gets a little more social again. Because you can take them to go,
1: right? But I don't think there's you can no fun yet. in there.
0: No, uh, al- liquor, mixed, mixed alcohol is not allowed yet. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. But anyways, that's some information on what's going on um otherwise we have a pretty great episode today
1: we do we do one one quick thing that i wanted to touch on before yeah. we bring our guest yet um i was seeing on the news and i kind of wanted your feedback on this because i know that you're salvadorian yeah um and i was seeing that the president nayib bukele mm-hmm. had announced something kind of uh different yeah. different from what the country's
0: ever really heard of okay this is news to me this okay is, you're getting my my completely uh uh n- surprise reaction people can
1: fact check me on this this organic just because i did read some videos and some and some articles but i could be wrong in some way so please correct me so in order to combat um prisoners actually uh sending orders of like for people to get killed outside of the jails because there was prisoners actually ordering uh killings from inside of the jails yeah he's actually found a way to bring uh people that are part of different gangs together in one cell uh, in a way to kind of stop the the separate gangs from sending those messages out so they to their on
0: each other. Yes. <laughs> and
1: he's what? actually also given and I I don't agree with this in a way cuz it's it, it's violent. He's also given guards uh the the right to if they get attacked by any of these gangsters to shoot them. Oh wow. So that for me is like uh, I don't That's, know how I feel about that. Yeah. But there's this viral picture going around where um, there's like dozens of of, I guess, alleged gangsters of mm-hmm. El Salvador, of La Mara, and different other gangs. And he has them all lined up uh, with no tapabocas on, with no no face coverings, and they're, like, uh, in rows. And they're, they've they completely been, had their head shaven off, um, but they're all different different gangs, and they've put them all together. So people have been talking about how it's, like, a human rights violation to have people like that, specifically during these times, and with no face masks. But he's trying to, I guess, portray a message that he's not going to deal with gangs the way that former that former and past presidents have in the past and that he's going to try to change the culture by allowing all these gangs to be together in one place in a way that it's never been done for in the country of El well, Salvador
0: forcing way. it forcing them to be together not, not so much allow correct uh but no yeah i mean it's a i'm hearing tinges of martial law which always scares me but um, you know, it, it's that's as far as organizing the things you do in a jail, I think um, that that has some positivity to it, yeah. um, but you know as far as, shaving people's heads, I don't like that. And, and you know, it's, you're, you're trying to control the gang violence, but at the same time, like, people in El Salvador can't leave their houses right yeah. now. If you step out of your house, you're arrested. My cousin, uh, she flew out of the country right before the lockdown, so, and she's been stuck in Colombia for over two months. Um, so, you know, they still haven't done any efforts to bring people, bring the healthy people back in. Yeah. Um, they're locking Im- immigration. Um, they're locking people down so I mean there's a lot of tinges of martial law right now yeah um, you know I'm, I'm glad that there's some steps towards trying to fix the gang violence in um, El Salvador but I don't know uh, that's that's pretty scary I mean it's, I can't you know, say I'm in favor
1: on? of it to be honest yeah, you know yeah. like, I really don't know how, what's gonna end up happening and people even here Salvadorians here in the US and Salvadorians in El Salvador uh, a lot of them are are pro a lot of them are against Um, So I guess we'll see what ends up happening, you know, but those pictures and you can find them if you literally Google like El Salvador gangs, like you'll see the picture. And it reminds me a lot of times uh, in our in our world that uh, that we had, you know, like dictators and and people hurting people. The image does not what they're doing, but the the image
0: does. So, yeah, no, it it reminds me of like Guantanamo Bay. Whenever we were torturing people that we we had arrested from other countries that they were just openly torturing people during the bush administration in guantanamo bay um that's you know breaking national human codes of ethics and and the president's done
1: some good things i think there was like a few weeks ago where like el salvador had its first day in a long time where there was no recorded deaths right in the country so that was pretty special you know so i applaud those kind of actions right but i'm really concerned and worried about what's going to happen with this yeah um but definitely we'll i guess we'll see in the upcoming weeks how it works out yeah uh, but I guess we will. Thanks for informing. You know, yeah, that's... yeah, we can continue. We'll follow up just to make sure that I'm telling the truth. And if anybody <laughs> thinks I'm not, uh, please let me know. Uh, but we're gonna take a little quick break, right? Uh, we're gonna Sorry. hear a song from a local artist. He's from Bentonville, and I just happened to catch it because someone shared it in their Instagram stories. But this is who, Manny?
0: This is uh, Victor Urbina, and this is the song Masimas. And we'll be right back.
2: Más y más Yo quiero conocer Tu corazón Más y más Yo quiero conocer Tu corazón Que tu espíritu Serte más oh, 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 oh. Más y más Yo quiero conocer Tu corazón Más y más
0: That was Victor. Would be namas imas. That's a really
1: good song. That was a powerful song. Yes, but we're back from the break, and now we're going to introduce our guest, who's actually a friend of the uh, of the podcast, homie, also my neighbor. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> close ties. The uh, multicultural community liaison of the Favel Public Library, Diana Dominguez. Thank you for joining us, Diana. Diana, what's
3: up? Hi, everyone. <laughs> hopefully people don't go looking for me because you I'm just basically like, like gave out my address i didn't give out the address
1: i mean people don't know where i live well at least well if they google it they can probably find it but don't well, <laughs> don't, don't do that well, anyways glad you could join us Thanks for joining us. <laughs> we
2: definitely
1: we definitely want to talk a little bit about you know like um why you came here not to the podcast but to arkansas just yeah. in general um you, were you originally born in mexico
3: no, so I was actually born in Joplin, Missouri.
1: Okay, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. For some reason, I thought and your family's from Zacatecas. Yeah, but, from
3: Zacatecas. But I
1: thought you were born in Zacatecas for no. some reason. Okay. No. Okay. So how was that, being born in Joplin? <laughs> that's interesting.
3: <laughs> it's very white. And felt- uh, so it's a white, blue-collar town. Um, but there's Carthage and Neosho, some of the surrounding towns, have a pretty big immigrant population. And that's actually what brought my parents over to that area southwest missouri because um, my dad works for butterball okay um and then my mom works for a like packaging a plate, a plate packaging place in joplin
1: so, so we bring this up like every podcast was there a family member that said hey y'all should come over here because there's
0: jobs here in joplin yeah okay
1: that yeah. always tends
0: to happen we talked about yeah. this like yeah. it's it's a tie it's it's how immigration works for diverse communities it's like you always have some kind of tie to some place that Ends you up in a weird mm-hmm. spot in the middle of America. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So what um, what family members did you have here
1: that so, made that call?
3: It was actually my my aunt that came to Carthage, Missouri, for went to Carthage, Missouri first. She's still there. Okay. And then my dad ended up coming, my, my dad and my mom and my sister, my two sisters ended up coming over to Missouri as well.
1: Specifically for Butterball? When yeah, I, to work okay.
3: there. He's worked there for over... God, like over 25 years, oh, I God. think. Yeah. So they've worked. They've
1: worked. He's worked there for a while. That's cool, though. You know, just the fact that there is jobs over here, and yeah. um, you know, coming from California where there is jobs, but like they're really low pay and everything's really expensive. Uh, We lived, back in California, we lived in, like, housing authority apartments Mm -hmm. because we couldn't afford regular apartments because everything was so expensive. Mm. And, of course, we had a family member who also said, hey, you know, there's jobs over here. You know, people always reference Tyson or always reference, like, all these poultry factories. And that's why we came here. And uh, it definitely was a culture shock. So for you, I guess it wouldn't be a culture shock because you've kind of grown into it. Right. But I guess one of the things that we can talk about is the culture shock of you (laughs) coming here and why you came here.
3: (laughs) Well, I mean, I, I moved here shortly after I graduated Missouri State University in um, Springfield, Missouri, just about an hour and a half away from um, from Webb City, which is actually where I grew up. Um, so when I I graduated, I was considering going to law school, um, specifically to be an immigration lawyer. And so my sister um, Noemi was already living here; she still lives here. Um, so I decided to just get connected with try to get a job with an immigration lawyer here but also do some immigrant rights organizing yeah. and so I've done a little bit of research about the area and so I just and I tend to do this a lot I've done this in like other kind of parts of my life where I'll just like get up and go and move somewhere mm. um, and it worked out because my sister was here so I was able to have um, that support as well in terms of moving here but it, it was very much a shock um, because where I grew up, and also just Springfield, Missouri, um, the, the population is growing, too, of um, um, Latinx students, but it's very different, there's just, like, maybe, at that, at that time, there were maybe just, like, four or five um, Latinx restaurants, and if they were Latinx, it was just Mexican food. Mm. And then, with in terms of where my parents live, um, I think it's changed a little bit now, but there were only like three tienditas and you would have to travel to like Carthage or you'd have to travel to Joplin to even go and have access to the products. And the products to themselves, this isn't like dissing those <laughs> local businesses, but Ooh, it's just like... Fired. No, I, I just... <laughs> the products weren't as fresh. And I also think like when I moved here, there was just... There was just so much more here. And even mm-hmm. my parents, um, when they come and visit, they were just like... They're also much, very much in shock. And they're like, oh, we could see ourselves moving here. Yeah. You know, because they they see that there's so many people here and it seems to be a greater sense of community here
0: yeah that's something i think you and i always talk about it's like how how proud of the culture i am in springdale because springdale even though northwest arkansas is a very great place to live like springdale has maintained and and it's it's a little sense of identity i mean that i've grown to appreciate Mm -hmm. you know growing up like you're almost like oh man why am i so different from everybody else but the fact that like there are those communities that you can learn to appreciate where you come from mm-hmm. and the diversity mm-hmm. um I I I love that about Springdale and Rogers and just Northwest Arkansas yeah. in general. Yeah, ¿y tus papás cómo se sentían cuando te moviste para acá? Uh,
3: I think that they felt I think at principio the like they expected that me iba a mudar para allá, que me iba a regresar mm-hmm. para allá because había pensado en conseguir un trabajo enseñando allí in Carthage, Missouri, pero I had a really bad student teaching experience, and mm. um, I decided that it wasn't something that I wanted to go, go into right away. Pero al mismo tiempo creo que se sintieron como contentos because mi hermana ya estaba aquí, and so no iba a estar tan sola aquí. Mm. Yeah.
2: That's
1: good. The fact that you had a family here, I think that... Yeah. Because it would have been so difficult if you didn't, you know?
3: It would have. And, I, and I've done that. I've gone and moved to places without knowing anyone and mm. it's terrifying yeah, <laughs> and bet. it's a really hard it's a really hard transition and it was a really hard transition I feel like up until now I don't feel like I've been able to like, come into really who I am yeah. into, until now so.
1: so you were talking about you wanting to come over here um, and you explained why and you also mentioned about like community organizing
3: yeah
1: um, did you do any community organizing in Missouri?
3: <laughs> um, no I didn't I was just mostly a student i was okay. super involved and I was, I've was i always been like super academic, I feel like, and super nerdy. And so the extent of just, it just, that's another thing I think that was also really shocking for me when I moved here is that there was already an existing narrative around community organizing and just just also a narrative of being undocumented. Yeah. Like, over where my parents are from, like, nadie de eso. Like, you know that people are undocumented, but you don't, if people talk about it, it's just very much kept within the church. yeah. And like, that's the main assistance, but there's not the same narrative of community organizing or um, talking about undocumented communities as there is here in comparison to where my parents are from. So that was also really, really shocking. And that's also why I feel like I wasn't involved, and I felt like there was a disconnect between, you know, wanting to be involved but not knowing how to get involved.
2: Mm,
1: I feel you on that. Definitely, I feel like it was like seven or eight years ago, we went to go do a presentation in Monette, and yeah. uh, you could tell that the people there were just, like, hungry for something. Yes. Hmm. You know, yeah. like, there was nothing going on in regards to community organizing for Latinx folks, just, like, for undocumented folks and dreamers. And there wasn't that much, though there wasn't a lot of organizing being done and people. And it it was, I feel sad about it now because we weren't able to kind of follow up and continue, mm-hmm. uh, like, helping or motivate them or at least, like, mentoring them and like, some of the work that we've done. But um, there's still time for that. There's still time to do there that.
3: There is. And that's actually one of the things that I wanted also be involved in as well as taking the tools that I've learned from the community organizing here and bringing it over there and actually I was trying to with the help of like a mutual friend of ours do some know your rights sessions over there but because people aren't used to that it was it just didn't end up working out mm. so I think it will it'll be it'll take some time I think to start bringing kind of that over there to, to that area of southwest Missouri.
1: So do you feel that you've uh, adjusted pretty good now? To uh, Arkansas, Northwest Arkansas, just in general.
3: I do. I think it helped a lot that after the first year here, I was just again because I was really academic focused. I, as soon as I moved here, I didn't have that like identity as a student, and so that was really shocking to me as well. Um, and so that's why I ended up going to grad school, and I feel like that's what really helped me feel more connected um in a different way and like i think i was just really hungry to get involved and also to be having conversations with folks about things that i was really passionate about and mm. um and to write about it too mm. so i think that's what really helped ground that while also continuing to do community organizing work
1: when did that uh, switch flip for you in regards to being to for you to telling yourself you know what i want to get involved with community organizing
3: well I mean I reached out to you (laughs) yeah even before moving here I reached out to you and I asked I don't remember what did I what I asked. I said, think you said you were
1: moving here yeah, and that right? you want you were wanting to get involved. Yeah. You know, but like I told you this before, like I've heard that so many times from yeah. people. They'll be like, oh yeah, I want to get involved, and it's like okay. There's this event. I tell them three <laughs> yeah. weeks ahead of time. Crickets that day. Like yeah. they never show up. You know. So when you told me that, I was like, okay, I'll <laughs> yeah. tell you like how to get involved and stuff. Yeah. And, but I didn't expect any follow up. But you followed up. Yeah, here. I
3: did. And I think from there it was like I went to like all the events. Yeah. And I think it also had to do with at that time. Um, yeah, I think at that time I had access and connections to, um, a lot of that organizing just because of, like, mutual friends that were involved with, um, (laughs) with a immigrant rights organization
1: here in yeah. the area We're currently blowing up our phone on the group chat as we uh, as we record this episode <laughs> yeah. but uh so and just with you being involved in community organizing diana and we can just touch on it a little bit um the recent news of 287g being suspended yeah. mm-hmm. um was great news obviously but we're mm-hmm. still you know making sure that that uh it doesn't come back uh mm-hmm. where were you at when you heard the news what did, what did you think and how do you feel about it now
3: uh, I don't remember where I was at. I was probably just on the couch at <laughs> my apartment. That's
1: where I was at, on my couch.
3: Um, I think I, I, I first want to just honor a lot of the work that was done prior um, mm-hmm. because it wasn't, it wasn't just a complete switch over of, yeah. of that happening. I think it had to do with just years of community organizing, um, folks being outspoken um, and continuing to show up for our community, uh, or not just our community, the Latinx community, but other folks too that are impacted, um, and that continue to be impacted by Two Eighty Seven G because it still exists in Benton County. Um, but I think it was hard because I feel like just also just pandemic climate. It's really hard to be happy <laughs> about yeah. news, and so it was like it was bittersweet because because it, it felt like it was it was a success you know um, but the reality is that I feel I don't know I had a friend text me actually um, she said she texted me to let me know about the news um, and then I found out from from folks from my people um, but she said she reminded me that I have to just stay and the, remember to stay in the joy of mm. it like remembering that it is a success and not just completely go into defeatist mode and be like oh they're gonna come up with some other program in the meantime yeah. Um, and so I, I held space for myself in terms of joy, and then I had that day. Well, then and and then Alan's release the next day, Yeah. right? So or no, was it?
1: Well, it was. It was. I think it was the day. next it was, the it day. Was the next day. The next or the day after. It was the next day.
3: No, because yeah. I had like a breakdown <laughs> Friday. I
2: remember. That was rude. because
3: it was like it was just so much because. Because of the work that I'd been doing within deportation defense work at the law firm, yeah. I mean, I saw it. I saw the ways in which it was impacting our communities to 87G, and um, and it was it was a lot. It was just, I don't know. I don't think I'm answering your question, but I think it was it was just a mixture of emotions, of mm-hmm. a lot of emotions, of just feeling like joy and happiness, and yeah. but also just a feeling of like okay we still have to be on our guard because we know that there's going to be other programs at the mm-hmm. institute to be able to continue that work um and i think that a lot of the work that was done through um, equipo and a lot of other folks also helped to push that and i know that um that that was really something that with alan's story we also wanted it to be something like it's alan's story talking about how he was being impacted by 287g but just mm-hmm. even brought more broader he was in placed in that position because of 287G yeah. and so it, it was interesting to see that t- to play out So
0: yeah it definitely was a mixture of emotions but I think it's important I mean part of community organizing is like mm-hmm. sometimes you make concessions and though this like can feel like oh i wanted it to be like we won we we put the pressure yeah. and then I, I somebody was like yeah this only happened because of COVID 19 like he can bring it right back doesn't matter it happened mm-hmm. you know and let's celebrate that let's hold yeah. on to that and, and
1: he said like on the press release he said you know we've heard of we've heard from a lot from folks that are against the program yeah you yeah. know so he, he i think he even mentioned how that had uh uh, impact on his decision yeah. so what if we had what if we hadn't been vocal what if right. people that have been doing this for like nine or eight years beforehand you know in other ways organizing in different ways hadn't done their part i feel like this is a collective victory yeah but it's one of those things where you just don't uh you don't put your guard down it's like you just continue to stay vigilant yeah. because like then i said i mean bang county still active mm-hmm. craig head county yeah. in arkansas still active as well and we can't forget about those folks yeah you yeah. know and i know that there's things happening in De queen arkansas too who i've heard from people over there that uh, they might not
0: have 287g
1: but they still have a lot of like really shady stuff happening
3: yeah, right. Communities.
0: yeah. right and for those that don't know De queen is the highest uh percentage of population not the highest population but the highest percentage of population of latinx folks you told me this i remember yeah yeah, yeah. it's kind of a weird stat um but have you yeah, been there i haven't it's in southwest i've been there once or, yeah, twice southwest arkansas and uh lot of
1: a lot of brown folks you know Mm -hmm. and uh and i learned that the queen can be spelled (laughs) d-a-q-u-e-e-n or d-e-q-u-e-e-n because i had a whole 30 minute conversation with somebody from the queen about (laughs) they oh Oh, they they pulled out the
0: receipts they're like no no, this is 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 how you
1: spell (laughs) it but but yeah it's a a a really cool place um so yeah that's that's a i think we should celebrate that unfortunately like we couldn't really celebrate it like we wanted it to like people together you know and yeah, just yeah. have to be like through the internet that's the way that we celebrate just hold on it. to
0: joy hold on to joy <laughs> we'll do it one day where you can
1: get we'll do it one day but uh now you're in this role mm-hmm. at the uh, at the Fayetteville Public Library and let me mention the title one more time it's Multicultural <laughs> Community Li- Liaison yes. yeah at the up, you wanted to say <laughs> <laughs> I
0: almost
1: I almost messed up the last Nobody part but even. can tell us a little bit about that like what you're doing there yeah and, must uh, be cool the, Fable Public Library is it's one chill. of the best yeah. libraries in the state. Our I mean, is, oh, is it Arcegas or Onyx is close by, too? Our it's inside. It, it's inside. Our oh, yeah. inside. What, what else do you want? I mean, you need Chick-fil-A that. in there. You're good.
0: Multi-story the yeah. building. They're getting a huge expansion right yeah. now, so it's cool the city's uh, investing in public libraries.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So I think prior to having worked there, I've always loved libraries, and mm. I don't just say that lightly. I, I truly mean that. My background is also in I mean, English education and literature. and so to be in a space surrounded by books is so dreamy and so nice. Um, yeah, so in terms of my role, I do a lot of um, outreach. It's trying to make sure that we're getting folks that are non-traditional library users. Losers. Why did I say that? <laughs> wow. Non-traditional library users into the door just because I think right now there's um, yeah, I mean, I would say this. I've said this to the library already. There's a very specific type of person that comes into the library, and yeah. so um, just even in terms of, there's not even much. We've we've started to change this in terms of our signage. The so signage is all in English right now. We're working on the signage being in Spanish, which is also why our announcements, some of our major announcements about like the curbside pickup and then um, the the building closing was was in Spanish mm. now. Um, but my work is outreach related in terms of trying to connect with Latinx um, and more widely just immigrant communities. um, So also refugee communities, trying to get them access to our library services. We're doing a lot of um, English lessons or we were prior to to the pandemic um, English lessons. We also do something called pop-up libraries. And so what we do with that is we take materials um, from the library and we go to a community center. So we go to Ozark Literacy Council, Boys and Girls Club, um, and then the Tyson plant in Fayetteville to take uh, materials and let them know about what what sort of programs we have and this library like is so different in terms of like i feel like this is the this is a library that you can almost find like in a city because Mm. it's so non-traditional i mean they have yoga at the library. That's
1: fable be-
2: though. <laughs>
3: like, yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing, too, is I think there's also a certain image of, like, who is allowed to go into those spaces. And yeah. so it's been a lot of having conversation with folks and be, and being like, hey, do you know that expansion that's happening, that future, like, you're also a part of that. And you should be, when we're talking about expansion plans and development of the library, mm-hmm. we need to be making sure that we're thinking about... Folks that are a part of that picture too. Is it
1: just Fable folks that can get books from the Fable Public Library? No,
3: so and that's a huge myth too. So people yeah. think that they can't get a Fable Public Library card if they live in Springdale, but actually, if you live in Washington County and even if you live in Rogers, you can. We have an agreement with Rogers. You can get a library card.
1: Okay. So you had told me this before. I just wanted yeah, to bring I it up. Yeah, I
3: always <laughs> tell people that because I I didn't know that. And even as a student and at the U of A, I didn't know that either. Okay. So. Mm -hmm. Can
1: you tell us a little bit about, like, some of the stuff that you've worked on so far when you've been there? I know that we were talking about, um, like, a program that you did recently that you helped. It was, like, a partnership uh, with Expansion, NWA, I think you said. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I thought it was it was pretty good. I think you when you, we were talking about it, you were a little bit nervous of like turnout. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everybody told me share this on my social media. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was
3: okay. Out, I never ask you for favors. Okay. So, I was
2: like, it's when it okay. Comes to that. I, think, I don't
3: like to do that because we're friends and like I don't people okay, to do things all the time. Yeah. Um, so we did. It was a they, pretty good
1: turnout though. I saw the pictures. It
3: was really really good. So one major component of my job is also just working with community organizations to do programming library programming that uh, reaches the communities that we want to reach Um, and so one of the programs that we had was in February it was a Grow with Google event and so we had um, uh, Google hires an outside presenter to come in and talk to folks about how to use um, Google and how to for for small businesses and so we had I don't remember exactly the numbers I want to say almost A little bit over 70 participants. It looked like a
2: packed room. Yeah
3: it was a packed room. Um, We also had um, kids activities off to the side and that was another thing too I feel like that needed to happen that was kind of like a switch for the library is realizing that when we're doing outreach to these communities what are other ways that we can be providing um, space to them. And providing um, equitable equitable space because the thing is like a lot of people think oh if we just tell people like come to this event though they're, they're gonna go but you don't think about all the other barriers that might exist for them as to why them they may not go so like maybe childcare is is one of those barriers and so what we did is we teamed up with our youth department to have kids activities happening at the same time while that that was happening so that way they didn't feel like they had to be taking care of their kids or find someone to take care of their kids during that time
1: so. that's so cool
0: yeah i mean like i I just love the idea of like a public library being this hub for education for equity um for resources i mean like when i think of my dream place for for public resources like i picture like what's going on at the fable public library right now it's really cool
3: i know i'm super excited i love working there um and it's also it's been a learning curve though too because I don't come from a library services background and so there's a lot of lingo that I'm learning but it's it's been it's been good to see it to to see it play out and it's also this is a completely new role so they've never had this role before Um, and so props to them Um, I think it was time (laughs) yeah
1: I mean it's the most most progressive city yeah I mean
3: and I think it was it was it was finally time for them to start To start having other kind of community liaisons, hopefully, you know we'll be able to have someone that will be able to be a liaison with the Marshallese Mm -hmm. community as well.
1: Definitely. Um, And what are some of the uh, things that you're excited about doing in that program, or the things that you might have already in the works and for the future once this pandemic is (sighs) over?
3: Well, we're still trying to figure out what just library services programming is going to look like within the next year. I mean, right now we're doing curbside pickup, and so we're allowing people to check out, place items on hold and and check them out. Um, But I think one of the, it got canceled, but um, one of the events that I was actually really excited about was our Community Connections Fair, and it was going to be an opportunity to bring a bunch of just different nonprofit organizations that are already working with these different communities, um, while also having, like, performers within the Fayetteville Public Library. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, next year we're able to do that, we're able to bring that back in, because we had about 12 organizations that signed up and mm. three different uh, performers that were going to be there. I'm also really excited to bring in um, other groups like the Latinx Theater Project, which they're doing yeah. like phenomenal work. Amazing. And um, in, in terms of bringing writing workshops to um, not just to Latinx students, but to just people of color, um, students, I'm excited for that. I'm also just excited for. Oh, I can finally say this actually. So Ooh! Ooh <laughs> yeah.
0: Big announcement, everybody. Yeah. Pay attention. Yeah. <laughs>
3: so, for those who don't know who um, Elizabeth Acevedo is, she is a. Um, she wrote the Poet X, and she mm. is planning on coming. Well, I can't say if she's going to come for our our event that we're having our true lit she was scheduled to come for a true lit in october but we're not really sure if that's still going to end up happening but she's planning on coming to the library and i think nice. that's going to be really big for for us
1: i think we will get a pretty good turnout you know there's a lot of folks that are like into that,
3: that i think of... so i think so too and i think it's important to when we were thinking about what speakers to bring on for me it was just talking of thinking about like I think we also have very hegemonic ideas of what, like, the Latinx identity looks like, mm-hmm. you know, and, like, I think with her, in terms of being Afro-Latinx and, and her writing, yeah. I think it will give an opportunity to have more nuanced conversations about the Latinx identities.
1: There's a lot so. of woke folks around here, you know? I think a lot of woke folks would show up to that. You know, not even, <laughs> even non-woke folks, you know? Yeah. I think, like, people just kind of like to learn and like to, like, just experience new things here, yeah. you know?
3: we just We just have to be careful, too, because I feel like oftentimes those again like those resources and the access is primarily just for white people yeah and so making sure that like if we're bringing her in that like our communities have access to definitely. it and like yeah. at the front of the row when, when she is presenting so i definitely yeah.
1: agree is there any other information you want to share maybe like where people can go online and, and see like the programs y'all yeah, are going to be doing i
0: want to know where people can go and hear these like online readings
3: <laughs> oh <my laughs> we'll, God. Put the
0: yeah. well not I mean I heard you, you said that some uh, some yeah. people have been doing online readings I think that's a really cool idea
3: yeah I think people people can go and check out our Facebook right now every day um, someone from our youth department is posting readings ch- children's books at 10 o'clock and I am on the schedule <laughs> to do my own reading in Spanish I've been kind of shy and like being on camera um, and putting it out there. It's do
1: you different. get like to pick? Do you get to pick the books? That you I get? do,
3: and I'm also very picky about the books that I choose. As you should be. Yeah.
1: Like, what kind of books do you? Because I have one book in mind, but I don't know if it's like your kind of thing. Because like, I have this book that my mom used to read to me when I was a little kid. Uh-huh. Every, everybody, every, everybody's <laughs> mom read this to them. By the way, are you, are you talking about the same book? Uh huh. Okay. It's called
0: Nunca Te dejare, Nunca Te Dejaré de, de Querer. I don't
3: know yeah. if I. Is it with a bunny?
0: Uh, no. I think there's multiple, like, artistry versions of it. It's a very Uh... popular, my mom read that book to me. I was watching, I think, Hentified. Okay. The other night, and they really? mentioned it as well. Oh, really? Yeah, I think that was it. Do
1: you so, have the
3: book? Because I don't think we have it at.
0: The... Uh, I think I have the English
1: version. Okay, if you want to translate it, I'll check, I'll check
3: it. to see if we have it at the but library. But
1: the the gist of the book is that the mom, there's a mom and a son, right? Mm-hmm. And the mom every night, like like arrolla al bebé, you know, and and, and yeah. says every night tells him like, I love you, I love you forever and ever. I'll I'll never stop loving you. Mm-hmm. So it shows the stages of like the mom. Uh, doing it when he was a baby, when he's a infant, uh, a and kid, so, yes. a teen, mm, yes. like so an old... Sweet. And then at the end, the son, Arruya to the mom. Are you When serious? she's old. Oh my gosh, I can't. I'm going to cry. Can't I'm going to cry. <laughs> yeah. I gave that book to my mom for... Was it, oh, I, forgot I think if it I was, saw
3: you post something about it. Yeah,
1: yeah. for like... I forgot That's if it was sweet. Christmas and she just like lost it because that was yeah. the book that she would read to me when I was a little kid and I got her oh, the... Oh, I'm gonna give
3: my mom that book for Mother's
1: Day. That's a good... It's a tear Yeah. You know, so just... Yeah. warning um uh, so good yeah you told us where people can find you online yes
3: um
1: and uh we're excited to see what other programs you all come up with hopefully mm-hmm. this pandemic doesn't last too long because it stops a lot of good things from happening like the programs that the Fayetteville Public Library is offering um but yeah thank you for for joining us Diana uh we really appreciate it and uh this was episode 42 we'll be back next week yeah and uh, we'll have a good show next week with uh, the star of uh, Hentify, JJ Soria, yeah. which would be be online. It won't be on the radio, unfortunately, but yeah. you can catch it on Spotify, Stay tuned. at District Three Podcast, uh, Anchor FM, at District Three Podcast, or you can go to our Facebook and just look up District Three Podcast, and you'll find the episode there. The same way that you'll find the episode of Viana today, it's going to actually be posted tomorrow on our Facebook and our Spotify and Anchor FM. Uh, but we really appreciate you being here yeah
3: thank you for having
1: me and we'll bring you on in the future so we can talk a little bit more about how like the program has progressed yeah. you know and what the and uh, hopefully we'll bring you during the time that that person well, her name was Eliza- Elizabeth
3: yeah Elizabeth Acevedo. Acevedo. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: comes in and we can uh, motivate people to show up
2: yeah thank you
1: yeah thanks but, everybody see you thanks all Diana. next week <laughs> thank you right, peace out peace out